0: Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of the Texas 24 podcast on the Dave Campbell's podcast network. I'm your host Matthew Bruni and joining me is a Suns fan that is willing to give his shoulder to Chris Paul Ishmael Johnson. Ish, how are you doing?
1: Man, I uh, I am worried right now. I, I don't know. He wasn't on the injury report. I thought he was good to go. And then he tried a behind the back fake and he lost the ball because he went with his right shoulder and it was like, oh. All right, this is gonna be a long series. So. Oh
0: man, I felt so bad for him. Man, I couldn't put any, any mustard on his passes. They were barely getting there. I was like, damn, this is sad. There was
1: one moment in game one where I knew it was bad because I think, uh, I think it was he was inbounding the ball to somebody, and you know, I usually when the point guard inbounds it they get it right back. Um, I think it was Jay Crowder, and then somebody was like closer to the far right. Mm-hmm. and he couldn't get it like jay crowder was pointing to the guy on the right yeah and he was like looking at crowder like no you come get it because i can't get to, i can't throw it to the dude oh, on the right. Man. and i was like oh this ain't this ain't gonna be good <laughs> so
0: the cursed chris paul man praying yeah. for
1: cp praying Helping for cp all
0: right. but we have a lot of uh texas basketball to cover uh this will be m- mostly a nba draft podcast where we look at uh seven eight players uh that we we like or we think are or are probably going to get drafted if mm-hmm. we have i think what four five four maybe in the first round you know five or six total we ha- uh, are probably gonna cut this into two to where we do this group uh this day and maybe a few others on another day mm-hmm. um i know there's a couple of players maybe like terrence shannon and a couple other um, macy O'Teague guys right. who could go in the second round um
1: or have good or have good uh g league contracts, you know. Yeah, for the, sure. So we'll, two ways going down now, so.
0: Yeah, so we'll talk about their pro um, professional uh careers and how they can kind of play out. But first, um it's been, you know, it's been a couple weeks since we we did this and so we got the WNBA draft um was underway and of course Charlie Collier goes first to the, to the Dallas Wings. Um Aliyah Wilson goes 11 to the Seattle Storm. Um D.D. Richards and uh, D.J. Carrington both go in the second round, I believe. Yeah. And, you know, the season is about six, seven games underway uh, for them. Charlie Collier has played three games. She's at six points uh, and five and five rebounds per game um, on 58% field goal percentage, which is really good for her, obviously. Uh, D.D. Richards has played all six game for, games in New York. Uh, she's only at 2.3 points per game, but... Uh, already 1.2 steals per game for them. So, and that's in a limited, you know, minutes situation and she's shooting 55% from the field. Uh, Dijanae Carrington has also played all six games. Uh, she's struggling a little bit. Uh, she hasn't got a lot of shots. She's only shooting 2.5 shots per game right now in Connecticut. Uh, but yeah, 1.7 points so far. And again, these are early indications, you know, no one's going to light the league up. I mean, right. I mean, Liberty
1: looks. I mean, Liberty look really good right now. I've caught a couple of their games. Um, I haven't gotten a chance to see a, a full Liberty game yet, but they're, I think they're 5-1, and one, I think, right? Um, they look really, really good right now. I think they just had a close game with the Wings. Um, and, yeah, Richards is kind of – we kind of presume that she would be somebody who could fit into a team pretty easily just because of her defense. And she's she's kind of doing that. I mean, obviously it's Sabrina Ionescu's team, but um, she's kind of finding her way to be able to contribute a lot and you know somebody who was taken in that second round finding their way to you know contribute in all six games and be uh be a reliable force in some capacity no that's that's something man it's gonna be it's gonna be uh really good to see how she kind of progresses
0: yeah and at this point it's obviously just about getting those game reps like that's all that's all this is about especially this early in in the season for them so and um, then with the
1: wings i think they're still waiting on um uh Satu Sobley to come back because she's with their national team right now. So mm-hmm. they don't even have their best squad out They're Only they only played three games so far, but they look really good. Um, they played the Storm really close. They played the Liberty really close. Um, Collier's looking like, you know, she's starting to get her thing together. So once uh, once Sobley comes back, you know, probably their second best second best player. Um, when she comes back, they'll probably be a lot better. Collier will have somebody else to work with in the as a big. So. I'm uh, I'm hoping to make a couple of games this year down there in the yeah. at the um, uh, down at UTA. So yeah. we'll see.
0: For sure. And we will keep an eye on them as they continue uh, their careers. Uh, the other news since we've um, been gone is Nikki Collin, the new head coach at Baylor filling mm-hmm. in for um, Mulkey who, who left to take the job at LSU uh, Nikki Collin, obviously coming from the WNBA, for those who don't know, uh, was at the Connecticut Sun as an assistant for a while, and then the Atlanta Dream as a head coach for two th- for two and a half seasons, three seasons basically, um, and now she's at Baylor. She was the WNBA coach of the year in 2018. Uh, what are your impressions of of her?
1: I think it was I, I think I think it was a good hire, first of all, mm-hmm. um, but I'm really kind of like impressed how Baylor just went to go like just go for a dynamite hire right it was like yep. let's just steal this WNBA, this pretty solid young WNBA coach um i believe she's still like 46 i think 46. you said i think you said um and so like let's go try to get another mulkey right let's try to get somebody who's going to be here for multiple years um i am curious the dream did struggle a bit and so you know there is there's a lot of uncertainty when it comes to like roster turnover in the WNBA. So I'm curious how much of that was that yeah. as opposed to, you know, a little bit of her. What So, so long story short, I think it was a good hire regardless. Um, I think she's going to bring a lot of recruiting uh, uh, chops and acumen. A lot of people are going to be wanting to play for her. Um, I think she was an exciting hire, especially when Moki left in the fashion that she did. Right. It was kind of like oh, uh, well, that's kind of weird. Why would she leave Baylor? And so yeah. I think fans and, uh, I think the administration knew they had to get a pretty big name. I think that she wasn't a name necessarily on people's radar, right? So people were kind of assuming they would stay in college and go yep. get somebody else. Um, That's what we were talking about. That's yeah, what we were talking we were about like, like oh, if they... they could get a Dia Barnes or something from Arizona, that'd be pretty interesting. Or, you know, an assistant, promote an assistant or something. But mm-hmm. now Baylor's like, no, we're going to go get a WNBA coach and uh, put her in charge of this program. And I think that somebody young like that, going that route was what they needed to do i think because you go from a legacy like kim Hulke, to somebody who not necessarily as a culture reset because you know the culture is kind of there the winning culture is kind of there but somebody who can kind of take that into maybe more of a a different direction right i'm really curious to see what what a college team coached by nikki Collum looks like
0: yeah and she's been an assistant at a bunch of colleges: Colorado State, Ball State, Louisville, Arkansas, Florida Gold Coast. Before she went went to the NBA, so she understands what she has to do at the college level. Um, mm-hmm. That's from 20, 2001 to twenty fourteen. She was in college, so that's plenty of time at the college rank. So it's not just mm-hmm. like taking this WNBA coach and just bringing her to college. It's a you know someone who's been who's very comfortable in both settings, and I'm that's why I, I'm really interested to see how this plays out for them. Um, I agree with you. I think it's a great hire, and
1: I think she has her. She had her staff hired pretty quickly. I want to say she's hired. Let me see. Well, she hired Tari, uh, Tari Cummings, who I think they coached together at Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she has her uh, couple of uh, basketball ops, and she had a player development uh, coach already. So she's already made three coaching hires, right? I'm curious. She will probably have one or two more assistants um, to go with that, but she's uh, she has her uh, who she had in mind, right, yeah. for this job. So um, I'm curious to see how the rest of it plays out.
0: Yeah. Well, let's move to the uh, meat of this podcast—the NBA draft prospects from Texas. We have, let me count them out: one, two, three, four, five, six. We have six, and then we have one wild card each, so eight total players we'll be covering here. Um, Some super popular, others um, on the dark horse side. Like I said, let's start with the big boy. Let's start with the number number one Texas player in my opinion. most places that I've looked have him as the top-ranked Texas player. Mm-hmm. Um, Davion Mitchell. Obviously, if you've listened to this podcast at all, you understand how highly we regard Mitchell. Uh, Six-foot-two, 205 pounds, two-times all Big 12, two-time Big 12 all-defense. Uh, Naismith Defensive Player of the Year, 14 points per game, 45% from three. Um, I looked at big boards for so for these top players. I aggregated like the top or five big boards that I could find. So Ringer has them number seven on their big board, CBS number seven, Tankathon sixteen, Sports Illustrated sixteen, and NBA.com as seven. So three number sevens and two sixteens. What do you think about those numbers? And you know where would you have him? And just how how would you kind of describe his overall game?
1: Yeah, I think. I think that's about right. I'd I'd probably have him. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised to see him creep into the top 10, Mm -hmm. um, mainly because of that, that, that tournament run he had. Um, I think he did play himself into the top 10. I knew he was kind of a fringe lottery heading in Mm -hmm. because he, he hadn't had that explosion of, it was mostly the Jared Butler show. Like we talked about on all those podcasts throughout the tournament. Uh, regular season was Jared Butler's team and it was kind of him doing the, doing what he needed to do. And Mitchell, not being not taking a backseat, but being on the periphery, right? It was him, Macy Oteague, and kind of a, a mixture of those two guys. I think in the tournament, you obviously saw a next step offensively. We knew what he could do defensively and that's why he was probably a lottery pick anyway. Yeah. Um, but... I think what he really showed was that ISO game, that shooting game and that ability to create for himself. That wasn't always present uh, throughout the regular season. And so I wouldn't be surprised for him to go top 10. Um, I see a lot of, I've seen uh, Tankathon has him kind of around nine or 10, depending on who gets that lottery pick. I'm kind of doing random yeah, for the mock drafts. Of, yeah. I'm kind of doing yeah. random lottery Sims right now. And they have uh, basically a, a a toss up between the magic and the the Pelicans for nine and 10, mm-hmm. usually what I'm getting for um, every simulation I'm doing. And they kind of have him going there. And I would love the Pelicans for him. I, I think the Pelicans would be a great fit. I think what you're seeing right now in the league and I look at a guy like they're, they're, Different-ish players because one of them bigger, but I look at a guy like Dylan Brooks, right? Mm-hmm. What he's doing for Memphis, yep. somebody who I don't know if he's going to do that necessarily, right? Seventeen points per game, but I think somebody of that skill set, right, where you know that okay, this guy's a defensive first guy, but can create for himself, can shoot thirty-five plus percent from three, and can contribute immediately. I see again, Dylan Brooks is six-seven, he's a small forward, right? Uh, Davion Mitchell's a point guard, but yeah. if you look at their styles. Right. I can see a guy contributing like that right away, especially for a team like the Pelicans, who, you know, you're going to have, you know, Eric Bledsoe starting at point guard or you're going to have you're not going to be starting right away. But if you have him off the bench, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I've, I, I, I see him potentially, you know, eventually you want to see him groom to eventually replace a guy like Bledsoe, right? You want to see him be that starting guard who can take the ball up the court, but be your guy that locks down the opposing point guard. Mm -hmm. Um, I I would love that fit. If that works out, that'd be great. Um, But I could see the magic too, obviously.
0: I think uh, I love the Dylan Brooks comparison um, as far as play styles go. Um, Ceiling-wise, I could see a Drew Holiday. That mm-hmm. could be a nice ceiling for him. I mean, that is a 100%. you know fringe all star, if not all star type right. player right there. That's again, uh, Holiday is about six four, six five. Um, so that's where we get into this question of, and this is really my only because I have strengths and question marks. Mm-hmm. Is he's six two and he doesn't have that super long wingspan either. So that's the other thing. So he's not this. He's a great defender, obviously, but he uses his body really, really well in right. his defense, and he uses his feet really, really well. It's not as much his length and arms that are getting these deflections. Then obviously we we've seen Chris Paul defend at this level at six foot for years. So it's not mm-hmm. like it can't be done, but switching is obviously a little more difficult whenever you are six, two without that long wingspan. Um, however, he's really strong. And that is something we've seen, whether it's Chris Paul, Patrick Beverly, a lot of players in the league, be able to switch against size and use their strength and use that base against those taller. De- taller guys and do pretty well um but yeah you you basically hit on a lot of it. it's his offensive versatility really showed in that six game run in the tournament or seven game run tournament whatever it was um because going into it we knew he could shoot and like you said it was jared butler's team but when this team needed buckets it kind of went to davion mitchell which wasn't something that we expected. It was, right. and it wasn't just an isolation. There was off ball screens. It was in transition. It was a bunch of different ways of Davion Mitchell creating and scoring. And that, when I was look, going through and writing down strengths and, and question marks, I didn't have a lot of question marks here because it's like, all right, he proved to us on, on the offensive side of the ball. And he basically took those question marks and turned them into strengths because him shooting off the dribble is, no, mm-hmm. is not a question mark at all. You know, we knew he could do it off the catch, but now he can do it off the dribble where he's hitting those little step backs or a little stutter step. Um, His handle is extremely tight. Like there's just no real offensive weaknesses besides maybe the fact he didn't get to the free throw line a lot, but he still attacked hard enough to where, you know, he's there at the rim. It's not like he's fading from the basket and, you know, avoiding contact. He's going, he's just not getting there a lot.
1: Yeah. And the other, um, the other thing is, you know, there's, there's always the age thing, right? Where it's like a junior mm-hmm. out, of, out of college, right? Everybody yeah. wants the the it's freshman or the sophomore. Um, I don't think that's an issue because you're seeing guys, like look at a guy like Tyrese Halliburton, right? Mm-hmm. Like you don't, you, you get a guy who's just, you know, he's good. And you know he was going to contribute right away, right? You get somebody like, uh, again, not comparing play styles, but just the 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 fact that they, you know what they are. Cam Johnson for Phoenix, right? I'm a Suns fan. Yeah. Everybody thought, oh, what's he doing? He's, he's old. He's like 22 coming right out of college. What mm-hmm. are they getting? He's, immediately becomes a 40 percent three-point shooter you know what you're getting when you take a junior or a a, a older sophomore right because there's not that obviously when it comes to the number one overall pick two three those ranges you want to take the young guy that's obviously going to be that swinging
0: for the fences
1: right exactly you're swinging for the fences outside of that like outside of the top five or eight i i would want a guy who just knows ball right who just knows how to play ball because at that point if you're looking for those raw prospects, you're kind of, I don't know, it's its if they were really that good, they'd be in that conversation for five yeah. to eight, right? So that's why I don't think age when it comes to him, Butler, um, uh, we'll get some other guys later. When it comes to those guys, I don't think age is a, should be a negative because you know what you're getting, right? If you yeah. see him doing something there's not a lot of questions as far as, well, can this develop later? Can that develop later? He's kind of sloppy on this. You kind of see more of what you're going to get.
0: Yes. Which is why I think for older prospects, it's easier to have that line of um, disparity, I guess, for mm-hmm. some people, if you like what you see off them, then take them. If not, no. you let them pass and you go with a more raw prospect. But yeah. um, Davian Mitchell, like I said, I don't see really any holes here. And I think while the top, this is a draft where the top five is set pretty much, or even maybe the top six. Probably, yeah. Davian Mitchell's right there with anyone else. I mean, Franz Wagner, I mean, you throw a lot of players, Scotty Barnes up there, Davian Mitchell, I don't see those players as more, well, A, they're not more ready to play right now than he is, mm-hmm. that's for sure. Right. And then I I still think, even though he's 22 years old, he has a good amount of upside, Um going into it because i feel like this tournament run was a preview for what he can do because like like we both said he didn't show this consistently Mm -hmm. but if he has the opportunity i feel like this is what we can get from him so now it's just about opportunity and i feel like if he he goes to a top 10 team in the lottery he's gonna have plenty of opportunity and this is what he we could be getting from him yeah
1: and two more names by the way Um, i was looking up just some of the rookies that are doing really well desmond bain emmanuel quickly right yep. 21 22 yep. years old those are older guys who you knew what you were getting and look what they're doing they're playing for playoff teams big roles right desmond bain's a second the backup point guard Emmanuel quickly probably should be starting for the knicks like yeah. you know what you're getting when you get those guys on the floor
0: yep all right uh next kai jones from texas 6'10, uh, 220 the 2021 big 12 six man of the year um almost 9 points per game about 5 rebounds per game on 58% shooting from the field, 38% from 3. Uh the ringer had him at number 10, CBS 13, Sports Illustrated 10, Tankathon 20 and nba.com 10. Yeah. So we're looking in that 10-15-20 range for Kai Jones, which is about where we expected. Um just his mm-hmm. athleticism alone his will get him up there, but then he's also a very refined player in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um while there is room for him to develop on the offensive side of the ball, when you watch Texas play, you're like, okay, this is a guy that can get hot. This is a guy that can step in and score and get buckets for them because they were a team that lacked some of that in the front court. And he just kind of brought mm-hmm. that in immediately. I'm mean, like, I say, shot 38% from three and was immediately able to catch and give a guy a jab step and hit a three or just blow by him and go for a dunk. Um, he's right. a, I can definitely see his play style translate in the nba so that's why i think a top 15 pick is pretty safe with him
1: oh yeah no i think he's a mod, i think he's a modern big right i think he is he's the the floor runner he's the the probably i mean power forward but he's the guy you can throw at center um mm-hmm. i think he has a power forward at the next level just because i don't know if his rebounding is there mm-hmm. i think the rebounding is the thing i'm most concerned about with him but you know, if you play, if you play him in a, in a four out one in or a five out offense, right? Like he can play the four, he can play the five. Um, So I, I I think that, I think that'd be an interesting spot. Uh, I think that's an interesting range for him. I think that's about right. I he's somebody where I think fit needs to be the big, like you look at somebody like Jackson Hayes at Pelicans. Right. I don't think that was a great fit. Right. I don't think that's worked out. I think, but I think Jackson Hayes is good. Yeah. I think Kai Jones is going to be in that similar vein to where I think he's good, but it needs to be the right spot. I, and I'm trying to imagine where that spot. He's would be.
0: just, he's just so much more skilled than Mo Bamba was than um, Jackson Hayes was at this right. point. Um, like you said, I don't think he's a five at the next level. at least initially, I think if he gets his rebounding up, if he gets his strength up, sure. um, gets his defensive awareness up a little bit more, then he could play the five for sure. Um, But going into it, he's definitely more of a skilled forward um, coming into the league. And that's where I'm hopeful that if he goes to a team that gives him good instruction and can give him some minutes at the four with solid players around him, Mm -hmm. then I think he's going to thrive because I don't think he can go on a team where they're just they just need talent and he they're just going to throw him out there to the wolves which I don't right. think that would be the case um
1: I, I think he's in he a range in. where I think he's in a range where he wouldn't I think he'd be I think he's going to be in the range where the teams that were in the play in will be in play for him Charlotte San Antonio I think yes. would be an interesting one Honestly sh- Charlotte would be a perfect fit for him. I yeah. think that they have they have the perfect spacing him next to Bridges. Mm-hmm. Um I think they um, him and LaMelo obviously he'd be he'd be able to find him in the fast break I think that'd be something really really good. Yeah. I really yep. like that kind of range for him. If, yep. He, he he basically he shouldn't be going to a bad team. Like he's yeah, not the sure. guy that like he's going to be just hoarding a bunch of young talent around him. He's somebody who needs a little bit more structure. Um, Warriors, right? Golden State yep. Warriors could be a spot for him. That. Um, I would love that as well. Um, especially because you know they they would have Wiseman at the five, and you know he played behind Draymond at the backup four. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that'd be a spot for him. I think that'd be perfect. I don't think you know a team like I hope he wouldn't go to the Rockets because I don't think he needs to be on, again. He does not need to be with a bunch of young guys. Yeah, I know. Um, so because I think there is a lot of talent to harness there, and I think yeah. again going back to my son's fandom there's a problem when you have a lot of young guys with raw talent together right there there becomes a problem eventually you just need dudes who know how to play and aren't just looking to everybody to achieve potential right like that yeah. it it eventually got to start getting just dudes who know how to play around you and i think he needs that kind of environment
0: i think any anywhere except Anywhere other than Sacramento or Orlando, I think I'd be pretty happy with. Yeah. We're, I don't, oh know, man, I don't know. I don't know.
1: No, no. So I, I, I agree. Sacramento is kind of a mess right now, so I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't but
0: that. him and Darren Fox would be fun, and Halliburton would be. That'd that's be, true. It'd be
1: fun. I it'd think it's fun. just my I,
0: King's perception, uh, just <laughs> right. uh, organizationally. Not Nothing to De'Aaron and That's and a good point. Aries.
1: No, that's definitely good. Or Oh, that's actually Boston range, too, because I forgot Boston has a, a high pick this year, too.
0: Put Kai Jones next to Robert Williams, and let's go.
1: Hey man, that'd be fun. Robert <laughs> Williams
0: is is doing great things, man. Shout out he's to him. He's the only good Anil. thing about
1: the Celtics in that in that <laughs> net series right
0: now. He might be the best player on their team right now. I <laughs> um, Might be. Yeah. Um uh, other things, Kai Jones. I think, I mean, like we kind of mentioned, uh, just a little bit of refining in his decision making. Um, sometimes he can get on the court and it seems like he's turning it on and off at times. Yeah. When y'all watch Texas, it's um I, I saw he averaged eight, nine points per game, and I was like yeah, there's games where he feels like he put up 20, put up 15-20 and then there's games where he puts up like 4 or 5 and there's obviously- there's a we'll get we'll get admit. to Greg
1: Brown in a bit but it was both him and Greg Brown have this similar issue where, to where you're like man that's that's it huh like, like what, there was yeah, some like, games which, which one's kinda, gonna show up today <laughs> right yeah it was like they never both showed up it was just kind of like yeah. they kind of had that the same thing where it was like i mean it's it's funny how they have similar frames too but it was just yeah. like all right only one of he is gonna play good today like yeah, exactly kinda,
0: exactly so that's a, a little concern of my for kai jones but like i like we both said i think a little bit of structure will definitely help him at the next yeah. level so um last thing on him uh he's definitely going to be switchable if we get, if he gets right defensively, I think switchability is obviously a huge thing in oh, the NBA yeah. nowadays. And he's a mobile guy, um, not only on offense, but on defense. And I think that could really help him out. So it'll be interesting to see where Kai Jones uh, falls. Next up, we have Jared Butler, um, 6'3", 195, consensus All-American, NCAA tournament, most outstanding player, uh, two-time All-Big 12, um, All-Big all 12 first team. Ah, uh, sixteen point seven points per game, four point eight assists per game. Uh, Ringer has him number twenty-three uh, on their big board. CBS nineteen, Sports Illustrated eighteen, Tankathon sixteen, and NBA.com eighteen. So we're looking sixteen to twenty-three range for Jared mm-hmm.
1: Butler. I think that's about right because Jared Butler, is the the quote-unquote problem with Jared Butler, is that he is the quintessential elite college player, and by that mm-hmm. I mean he's really good at a lot of things great at really nothing Mm -hmm. but you absolutely know what you're going to get every single game right he's a really good defender he's a really good shooter he's a really he's really good off the dribble he's not really he doesn't have elite athleticism He doesn't have elite shooting he's not elite defensively right and so I think that's about the right range because that's when you start to that range 20-ish late first round early second round is where you start to see those, like those really good college players that you just kind of know their ceiling isn't anywhere further than where they're at. Yeah. Um, and that's why they'd go to, to contenders, right? Cause younger teams, teams that are worse need guys that have, you know, that, that are good, that are better five, uh, four or five years from now. Mm-hmm. Um, Butler is, if I had to kind of, re- to assign like a number rating, a weird, like I'm going to do a little weird thing here, but okay. he's kind of like the, he, he, everything is like a seven to eight with him. Right? Okay. Yeah. I and I feel like in college, a seven to eight, you can average 20 points a game. Right. Cause there's so many guys who are so much worse than you. Yes. And there's so many guys who may be better, but don't fade. Right. We talk about the guys who may be more athletically gifted. They'll fade in and out of games. If you can give a seven to eight every single night, right. Sometimes that eight might push to a nine yeah. and we'll see your both throw up 30 or something, but I think when you're coming to rating them around NBA prospects, I think that's about right, which again, better for him because he's going to go to a better team. Right. Mm-hmm. And so they're they're going to have, you know, he might be somebody who might flourish like a Desmond Bain on a playoff team as a rotationary guard. Um, somebody like a uh, manual quickly. who's like, wait, how'd this guy fall to 20, whatever. Right. Yeah. And so I think, because he doesn't have a high ceiling that's where that's why i'm okay with him kind of being rated in that range but i think that's going to do him better because somebody's just going to get an all-around player right yeah. they're going to get somebody who you don't have to worry about not being able to shoot you don't have to worry about being a liability on defense he's just going to be a very composed backup point guard somewhere i mean it's kind of like
0: i don't think they play the same but it's kind of a similar scenario to jalen brunson in a sense, Ooh, that's a good yeah yeah so yeah for, they don't
1: play, I, I agree with that they don't play similar but he went to the mavericks and all of a sudden boom there we go like
0: yeah they have their backup point guard for the next 10 years
1: right exactly
0: <laughs> they're set um and he's been really really good for them so i think he finished fourth and sixth man of the year fifth somewhere around there mm-hmm. um i wish he was a little if he was about six five six six i, would I know that's him. yeah yeah i would just be head over heels but um he's he's not a long defender while he's he's very much like davion mitchell in the sense that he uses his body really well um he's very aggressive on the ball defensively and i think that will translate i think he's going to be a very fine defender um i could see a team like denver Good. using him um maybe i'm just saying that because all their guards are hurt right now but
1: like they're just <laughs> hey know. they might be looking man they might be looking yeah it's like, all these dudes are hurt we need somebody uh, yeah. that's not
0: hurt yeah i'm watching you know Composo out there for him I'm like yeah jared butler maybe we could get get out there for him um He's a smart player with the ball in his hands. We all know this. Um, he's experienced in pick and roll situations, isolation situations. Uh, he can create off the dribble. Can create for other people. Uh, five assists per game kind of speaks for itself. Mm-hmm. If he can shoot, because we saw his range for yeah. periods in the, at the college level. If he can shoot, I'm not saying saying he has to shoot Damian Lillard or Steph Range, whatever. But if right. he can, if he can shoot from 3 consistently and maybe you know even take a step back every um, from 3 and become let's say a 38 30 the league as like a 37% three point shooter and work mm-hmm. off that and really build that up i think his defense is going to be good enough to where he's going to be in rotation every year of his career like oh, he, he can be a rotation player for the, for the next 15 years
1: well, if he yeah, can shoot almost,
0: and can play defense at this level
1: cuz like i'm looking at the you know i'm thinking about that range i'm thinking like you know would it be a shock to see the clippers just love him, mm-hmm. right? Like somebody like the Lakers. You know those teams are like they're always going after a, a, an aging backup point guard, right? Oh, right? Let's get Rajon Rondo. Let's get you know somebody. But it's like if they could snag a Jared Butler late, right? Somebody like oh somebody like a, a Atlanta, right? Who needs Boston. a backup for Trey, right? Boston, yeah, exactly. Like somebody like that who just like. They could use a Desmond Bain instant plug uh, veteran, instant veteran, basically, right? Because, yeah. he's you know, he's one of the older guys coming out of the draft. And so
0: he's only no, I agree. He's all I, I thought that, too. He's only 20. Really? He's, he's a year and a half, I think, younger than Mitchell. So Mitchell's 22. I think Butler's like 20 and a half. Yeah, I thought he was
1: 21. That's so I thought
0: that, too. I looked it up. I It said 20 um and i believe it was right uh let me double check his age before so he's
1: okay so he'll turn 21 when C comes around but uh, his birthday is in august so that's interesting i did think he was older okay i thought i thought he was
0: old too i just assumed that whole baylor team was like 24 year old guys but (laughs) but but here we are jared butler is only 20 20 and a half almost 21 Uh, but basically um so that's a little bit Um, I give him a little bit more leeway on his ceiling being a little Mm -hmm. higher. So that'll be good. But I think the point still stands with him is that he is a guy that you can plug in to any rotation. I think he makes the guy any team's 10 man rotation, basically in the NBA, almost like basically that's, that's why I'm, I'm confident in him going top 20. I would definitely have him top 20. So one
1: hundred
0: percent. let me see if there's anything else. Nope. All right. Greg Brown. The other Texas player, obviously, we went Baylor-Texas, Baylor-Texas in the first four. And 6'9", 205, Big 12 all-freshman team, uh, 9.3 points per game, 6.2 rebounds per game. 42% 42% from the field, which is obviously not as good as you want it to be at for a six-nine player. 71% from the free-throw line is promising. Uh, Ringer has him number 28, uh, CBS 31, Sports Illustrated 28, Tankathon 32, and NBA.com 32. So we're looking late first, early second. Ranking.
1: Yeah, man. This time last year, he was probably looking like a lottery pick yeah. Um. coming out of high school. Coming it's, out of high school, he was top 10 in the country? Roughly, yeah. I mean, that, yeah, coming out of Vannegrift. I think... Yeah, it was it was a mixed bag this year. I think he's somebody who you know I'm always I'm always team go get your money, but I think he could have done with another year. um Because what position is he? Like he's a That's power forward, right? But three, like four. Like I don't see I, is his handles good enough to be a three? I don't think he can play the five. I will never play him at the five. Right? At least yeah, in the next. He, in- you mentioned his shooting, like, cause he wasn't in the paint, right. He was always on the perimeter. And so I don't think you can play him at the five. Um, his shot blocking. Wasn't that great. Um, especially for some guy with that. Like you, we mentioned Kai Jones and Kai Jones is bigger. He's, he thinks Kai Jones is like six eleven, but mm-hmm. similar athleticism, right. Similar bounce. And Greg Brown really didn't have that shot blocking effect that you would really want yeah. um, from a guy that from that athletic and, you know, Shaka wasn't afraid to just not play him, right? There were some games yeah. where he just didn't play him that much. Yep. There were some tournament games where he just didn't play him. Um, or there was a game in the, uh, against Abilene Christian. I don't think he played yeah, that Yeah, I
0: think much. it was that Abilene was Christian season. where he played like six minutes. I could be wrong. Yeah, and so it was like I was, I it was against a one. team
1: like that to where you have an athletic size advantage and you don't play Greg Brown, like that's that's shocking. That's alarming to me. It is. Um, but I think that he's somebody who is intriguing and should be intriguing because you watch him and you're like, that's a dude who jumps out of the rim or jumps out of the building, right? Like yeah. he can put up anything and he can bounce from anywhere. And I don't care who you are, if you're late in the first round, and you get a guy who that kind of athletic tools, like you're gonna be intrigued a little bit. So I think there are it's a mixed bag. I can see why he fell. I was disappointed by his year at Texas, but at the same time, those those gifts you cannot discount what he could potentially be and bring to the table yeah
0: it i brought up robert williams earlier robert williams out of college was similar ish in a way of raw athleticism but we knew robert williams was going to be a five and another reason he dropped was because of i don't know i don't want to come off the off the court issues but they they had questions about i I guess his um, personality or approach or whatever
1: Mm -hmm.
0: greg brown not being a five not being big enough for that makes me question because in the nba there's not a lot of fours that a can't shoot i'm not saying he can't shoot he shot i yeah. think 33 something like that yeah he was good I, he was
1: decent from three yeah. i
0: think his shooting motion needs to be cleaned up definitely mm-hmm. it can't it has to be a lot smoother has to be a lot cleaner um the 71 percent from the free throw line is promising but i'm i saw him play I saw Greg Brown play in Dallas at an EYBL tournament in the same game with Jonathan Kaminga and uh, Kate Cunningham. Mm-hmm. And I, I was underwhelmed then. I think that was in comparison to those guys, obviously, but still sure. it was like, okay, you know, maybe when he gets to Texas, then I'll see something different. It never really popped for me personally. Yeah. Obviously you had the dunks, you had the blocks, you had those, you know, just moments that are highlight moments. Yeah. He has the highlight plays. moments. Yeah, but then you get into his actual deficiencies and you're like, okay, this is a real problem. His defensive awareness is a real problem. He's a little slow with his rotations. Um, Mm -hmm. He's not a, he's a better rebounder I think than Kai Jones. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the next level, he's going to have to be a stronger rebounder. So there's just a few really interesting question marks that I have for him going, going through this process. And I don't know if I'd spend a late first on him. I think I'd be more second round um maybe if uh, i know we've said some teams out there so it's, but it's hard early second maybe like a toronto um mm-hmm. in the second round a team that already has you know some uh they don't need him per se and so maybe they yeah. could just take a shot on him and try to develop him beside behind some of their their veteran guys like siakam and whatnot um yeah
1: he's a guy he's a guy who and I mean this disparagingly because I really think teams should utilize this more, but I think he's a guy who could do with a G-League stint. Like mm-hmm. whatever team drafts him, he could do with a G-League stint because he's a guy who could, like you said, he, his game needs work, right? He's a guy who I think loves his jump shot a little too much. Yeah. Um, he needs to be in the paint a little bit more. He needs to be just closer to the rim, right? Not even like, not even. I'm not saying he needs to be under the rim dunking or whatever. I need to say he needs to be around the rim. That high post area should be his like bread and butter and it's not. Um, and so I think he could, he has the athleticism to make that high post area really dangerous, right? If he can take somebody face up, take somebody off the dribble in that area. Um, I think he really is. I think he is gifted going to the rim, right? I think he can take a lot of, um, even in the modern NBA, I think he could take a lot of fours off the dribble if he was able to get, just form that in and mold that a little bit more. Um, but, and again, I don't mean the G League is a disparaging thing. I think team every team should be utilizing the G League a lot more. I think every team should have an affiliate, um, which is uh, you know most a lot of teams still don't have a G League affiliate until um, so they can't send their players down there. Um, I think it should be an academy, right? Like baseball yeah. does with AAA, and so I think he's a guy who could really do with coaching who coaches who can really be with him often, right during the NBA season, right. Coaches aren't can't work with individual players a ton, especially guys who are second rounders. Right, they're worried yeah. about their their big premier guys, their their top uh, first round picks. If you can get him to a coaching staff like in the G League who can work with him on his jump shot, work with him on you know getting to those areas in the paint where he could be more effective, to where he's not just settling for fadeaways or just hovering around the three point range. Um, I think it could be really something because you know, there's, there, there is a player in there and there's an NBA yes. player in there and he just needs a little bit of harnessing.
0: Yep. Um, yeah, no, as, as a Spurs fan, you, I am a complete supporter of the G league. Cause mm-hmm. I think like everybody on the Spurs team played in the G league at some point. So, um, right. Jonathan Murray, Derek white, all those guys.
1: Yeah.
0: But yeah, I, I'm better for it. Yeah, no, for sure. So we will see. Um, I definitely think he's, draftable don't don't get me wrong He oh, definitely yeah. early second early to mid second for me but there are he's going to have to work for it and i i think i kind of agree with you And one one more year at texas would have been really interesting to see if he could get that um bump in his stock but sure we'll see we'll see how it goes there next rj nimhard tcu 65 200 200 pounds, uh 2021 all big 12 first team i believe um, I just have all Big 12 written down. I don't know why I didn't run for first team. 15.7 uh, <laughs> points per game, four assists, four, four rebounds, thirty-four percent from three, forty percent from the field. Um, there were nobody had them on their big boards. Uh, a lot, some people said mid to late second rounders. Um, I think I don't know. I don't know. Second round, the second round is such an eye of the beholder type thing to where you get players that uh, some people didn't have on their boards going at 40. Some players ranked at 40 don't go, you know, it's, it's such an eye of the beholder thing. He is 22 years old. Um, I like his, obviously he can score the ball. Like that's mm-hmm. what his kind of, that's what his thing is. Uh, he's aggressive going to the rim. I uh, mostly plays below the rim. He's comfortable passer out of ball screens. He's a crafty player. Um, he has good size. He has good effort on defense. I just, I don't know if there's enough here. I don't know if there's enough here for um, at least a high second round or second round pick, mid to late, maybe forty five and up. I could see it, but at mm-hmm. least anything before forty five is a is a question for me.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of with you there. I think that, I mean, you start getting like you mentioned, you start getting to this that range of the draft, and you start getting like a bunch of internationals that are just going to be stashed and probably yes. never play or all that stuff, and so. You wonder, like, okay, would you rather have that, or would you rather have take a flyer on a guy like a Nemhard, right? Um, who maybe could give you something a little bit more of what you're used to, right? Or what mm-hmm. you what you know, um, a little bit more of a guarantee. I think, I think this is the worst TCU team to play for
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, for him because I don't know if it, a lot of him. I don't know if it was just a lot of like good player on a bad team, or whatever player just kind of putting up volume shots yeah um because he wasn't really great at shooting right it wasn't like it wasn't like a a, a diamond in the rough you know yeah. putting up great efficiencies and things like that it was kind of kind of is what it was right yeah. um but i will say the thing that is going for him is he's he's big right six five yeah. six six um i think that's going to be a little bit intriguing uh, a guy that size who can handle the ball i think i think he will get drafted I think it'd probably be late second, but like you said, that's a lot of just uh, that's a weird call to make in general, just because of how the draft is. Um, I think the best thing going for him is his size, though. I think having the ability, the scoring abilities he has, um, and the handle that he has—decent handle is not great, but uh, being able to do what he can do at that size is intriguing to a lot of NBA teams.
0: It's tough because we both said late second. Here's what Tankathon has. Here's a few players Tankathon has as 50 and below. And this mm-hmm. is Tankathon. Obviously, it's all eye of the beholders type stuff. So sure. some people might have these people higher, lower. 50, Isaiah Livers. 51, Johnny Drew 52, Austin Reeves from uh, Oklahoma. 54, Luca Garza. 55, Ron Harper Jr. Uh, 59, Drew Timmy. Uh, I, um, Timmy's coming back, isn't he?
1: Uh, I think he literally just announced it just now that he's coming okay. back. Okay. Oh damn. Okay. Well, I don't. I don't know if it was a confirmation. Well, anyway, fifty-nine for that.
0: Okay. Yeah. So fifty-nine drew Timmy, sixty Marcus Zagorowski, um, sixty-two Aaron Henry, sixty-three John Petty, who
1: at from Alabama, who I like a lot. Man, um, yeah, it's a lot of good names. <laughs> yeah. Sixty-seven David Duke. Um, it starts yeah. to remind it starts to remind you like you know when you're a fan of college basketball it's like oh right not every good player can get drafted like <laughs>
0: yeah yeah so it's like this is this is again like i said this is all eye the beholder type stuff but we're we're looking at players from 50 to probably 90 and mm-hmm. our nimhar is probably in that 50 to 90 range where you're like you can make a case for any of these guys over anybody like, right right i saw jeremiah robinson earl who they have him at 69 you know i put him against some of the players up here and you're like, okay, put him up against Aaron Henry. And you're like, right. okay, they're different players, but still, you know what I'm saying? Um, mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's an, it's an interest. And then you have like a McCur maker they have at 75. So it's like, then you really could take a home run shot. Then it's right. that's just such a hard uh, position to be in that I, I can't. Yeah. Like you said, I can't project him to go at 50 to 55 range because that's right. just who knows, who knows, yeah. but he'll definitely get a shot um in camps he'll definitely get a shot in the g league um and we've seen a lot of players come get their shots and take advantage of them from the second round or or even undrafted so we'll see how he plays out um next we have quentin grimes uh the last player before our um dark horse picks Mm -hmm. quentin grimes 6'5 205 21 years old uh 2021 all uh, all AAC first team all a or AAC player of the year last year 17.8 points per game 5.7 rebounds per game two assists 40 percent from three CBS had him at 51 Sports Illustrated had him at 73 Tankathon had him at 44 and NBA.com had him at 37 so again range from 37 to 73
1: yeah speaking of guys where I don't know their position um. <laughs> Oh man, he's like on that like weird cuz he's 6465, right? He's yeah. not like 6566. No. no. It I I don't think he's a point guard. No. But he's also like that smaller range of shooting guard, right? Um he played mostly basically small forward in college. He's not a, he's, he cannot play small forward in the NBA. No. Um so yeah, that there's can I give a, a, lot. a ceiling
0: player like Rolf rip that I just like think of. I guess when it. I watch him is is Will Barton. Thing that's is, not bad. That's Will not Barton. Bad. I feel like Will Barton. I mean, Will Barton's six six. Yeah. I feel like Will Barton just plays a little bigger than mm-hmm. Grimes. Um, so he can play the three. Um, mm-hmm. a little bit. I don't know. I just get a little bit of that vibe from him. But I'll I'll let you finish.
1: Yeah. No, no, that, that, that's a good comparison. I think because you. It, Anytime you get those like two guards, those tweener guards that are kind of around that range, you're kind of like, you know, eh, what, 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 where can I play here? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, cause he's not going to be bringing the ball up, but he's also not going to be able to defend other threes. And so you're kind of, he is kind of pigeonholed into being a two. Um, and even then he's a small, it's a small end of the twos. So, but you know, let's talk about what he's good at. Right. He can yes. score, he can flat out score. He's not the most efficient. He's a rhythm scorer. I would say he's not the most efficient guy. He's not going to be the guy that's going to drop, you know, 50, 40 splits. Um, yeah. But he's a guy that's really composed. I think he's a really polished player. Um, he's not a guy who has any wonky shooting motion or wonky dribble or anything like that. He's going to be a, a, first of all, capable three point shooter, like very, very capable right off the bat. Um outside of that i mean probably his shot selection could be a little bit better but i don't see any part of his game that needs to be tweaked or worked on i think it's just a lot of finding where he fits that's to me is like 80 percent of his future is just yes. finding where he can play on the nba floor because skill talents there, skills are there the the athleticism's there he's not the he's not the best jumper but he doesn't have he's not athletic def, athletically deficient in any way mm-hmm. defensively he's good um i think yeah so i, I think that's going to be my biggest thing is who do you see him guarding in the next level um because i can see him playing the two but you know can he go can he consistently stay in front of other twos just yeah. physically um his defensive instincts are great right he was part of the, he's part of a really good houston team i think kelvin yep. samson was the perfect coach to get him um but, yeah, when you step inside the three-pointer line, like where where do those shots come from? Mm-hmm. Um, his playmaking could be a little better too because um, mm-hmm. I think if his playmaking was better, we'd be talking about it maybe as a point guard. Um, but, you know, th- those yeah. are my questions. It's, yeah. In terms of skills, I think he's all there.
0: No, I, I agree. Uh, he's extremely skilled on and off ball. I think he moves well off ball. Um, he's versatile in his attacks. Obviously, it starts with the perimeter and then works his way in. Um, he has good range on his, on his shot. I mean, he can step back, step out a little bit. Um, he's, I think you you kind of touched on it with Kelvin Sampson and Houston being like a perfect place for him. I think this is, I think you're right in that it's a perfect place for him to get him ready for the next level. I think this yeah. was just perfect. Uh, cause he averaged almost six rebounds per game mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm not saying he's going to be a great rebound at the next level, but I mean that kind of toughness, that kind of just grit is something yeah. that I think is no, he really going to help he, them.
1: If we mentioned their offensive rebounding all season, like he was one of their top offensive yes. rebounders. He's really yes. good. Yeah.
0: Yep. And he's an aggressive defender. Like you said, I, I really think that that is going to help him uh, just stick earlier in his career to where he can defend, he can rebound and he's not, he won't back down from physicality. He's a very mm-hmm. physical player when he wants to be. Um, And so I agree with you. I think those are all really strong. Uh, really big strengths for him. I think you touched on a couple of the question marks I have. Uh, he's not a great creator. And if anything, I think he can be a little, what's the word? Inefficient with his hmm. moves. I, like sometimes I'll never forget. I saw him pump fake a guy. This was, I think it was SMU. They, when they're playing, hmm. SMU, he pump fake the guy, fly, a defender flies by. And instead of attacking, he does this little behind the backs, like step back type move. Yeah. And... And then as he makes his move, the guy's already back in the play. And I was like, mm. that's weird. Like, it, yeah. it's just got to be a rip through and go or just shoot it. Like, it's got to be right, right. quick, quick, quick. And yeah. so sometimes you could tell he's because he's so talented and he was so talented coming out of high school. It feels like he can get away with a couple of things that he's not going to be able to get away with at the, right. at the next level. That's, sure. that has that's to a good play. point. He's- yeah
1: no that's a good point that's he's he was so polished in high school right Mm -hmm. and i think that's what happened a little bit at kansas where it was like he was so polished at high school that he kind of just tried to continue that right Mm -hmm. he was like well, I'm just so much better than everybody else. And it's like, you're really good, but there are a lot more players that are near your level than you were than it was at a, a college parks.
0: So. Yeah. So, yeah, and I mean, he can take some tough shots too. Like he's not uh, against taking uh, some tough off the dribble shots. So that's going to be interesting to see if he can clean that up as well. But I think it's kind of like what we said with the other guys. Uh, when you get in this range, it's kind of just about fit for the most part. Um, but I do think his defense and kind of toughness overall is going to help him stick initially like it's going to give him a chance yeah to show what he can do and that's that's what all you can really ask for
1: um I, th- I think they yeah i think when when teams look at him they're going to see again another older player another older player who knows what you're mm-hmm. you know what you're getting they're going to see his defense and they're going to see the the kind of intangible thing right is that he kind of you could tell he like he wanted it right, in like moments mm-hmm he wanted to be the guy he wanted to like the big shot. He wanted that kind of thing. And, you know, obviously he's not going to be taking those kind of shots, but it just, it kind of, uh, it kind of shows how so many coaches in the NBA. And especially again, when you get to that range, that late range where it's not a guarantee, that you are going to be going to a lottery team or a bad team. You could be going to a team that needs somebody that can, that's ready for those big moments. Mm -hmm. Um, So many of those teams and those coaches and those, those general managers are going to be looking for a guy that like, okay, is it is it possible that like a year or two down the line he can be playing for us in a game game one game two game three right of the yeah. playoffs right Can he give us ten minutes right in those kind of games, um, not right off the bat but eventually because. And there was, there again, there were those so many times this year where you're just like, Quentin Grimes is like, all right, nobody's making anything, right? Because yeah. we, we always joked about how Houston was just not a fun offense to watch. But <laughs> yeah. Quentin Grimes was a fun player to watch because he so many times he was like, all right, everybody's bricking everything. Everybody move out the way. I got this, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that kind of intangible attitude is going to be something that people are going to gravitate to as well.
0: Yep. All right. I think that's all. Yeah, that's all we had on Quentin Grimes. Yep. Um, let's get to our dark horse selections. I uh, will let you go first with Mac McClung, 6'2", 185, 21 years old, 2021, uh, all big 12 first team, mm-hmm. um, 15.5 points per game, 34% from three. Yeah, Take it away.
1: I think, so this this goes a little bit with the um, similar mold to knowing what you get, right? No Coaches and teams knowing what they get when they draft a player. I don't know if... I'll say this right now. I don't know if he's going to get drafted, right? I feel mm-hmm. like he's going to be an undrafted or a G League guy that maybe works his way up. Yeah. But when I watch him play, and to a lesser extent, I see an Austin Rivers type contributor. I see a guy who has some bounce to him, right? He is very athletic, can get to can get to his spots. He can, his dribble's not, you know, again, for his size, dribble, his handle's not the best, but I think... I see a guy who can get, create his own shot, who has a very reliable jump shot. I think when he gets into the lane, he's actually really good. Um, I mentioned his handles not being the best, so you probably don't want him running point anywhere. But I think when you get a when you need like a microwave type player, I feel like he's a guy who, kind of like a Austin Rivers light, to where you're. He he sometimes looks a little out of control. Yeah, <laughs> but then all of a sudden he doesn't. Uh, up and under layup, and you're just like, oh, where'd that come from? Mm-hmm. Right. Or, you know, somebody's driving to the lane and all of a sudden he comes out of nowhere and gets a shot block, right? Because he did that a couple of times at tech where somebody was under the basket and Mac McClung comes out of nowhere and just swats it. You're just like, Where'd this six two dude come in flying from the perimeter? Um, again, I don't think he's gonna get drafted. I think this whole this whole offseason thing was really weird where he transfer then didn't transfer then declare for the draft it was really weird i'm really curious how what was and the then announced he was there. staying in the draft yeah then announced he was saying yeah so i'm really curious how that all that's all going to play out but i think i don't know i, I don't think he'll ever be a efficient shooter mm-hmm. right i think he'll, he'll always be a guy who's going to probably be the sub 40 or a um, uh, low 40 percent shooter um from from two mm-hmm. but i i'm really intrigued to see if somebody just sees that what his whole package and sees what he can do because i mean chris beard took a shot on him and like the fact that chris he was such a weird fit that happened to work for that texas tech team yeah that i feel like there's something else that maybe we don't see that coaches just love when they look at somebody like him where it's like he's not the most efficient shooter he kind of can't you know he can't really play make a lot but you kind of want him on your team and i feel like that's going to be some that's going to be him down the line i don't think he's going to be in the nba you know next year but like again a couple years in the g league i think he's going to find his way onto a roster and eventually onto a team and contributing in some capacity
0: if there's one thing i've learned over the past couple years is that it's it's it feels more open than it has in years past to where Guys from the G League, with the with the way two way contracts work, with the way, um, just I've seen a lot of players just go from undrafted to to getting minutes, and it's. Sure. I was looking at the I was looking at the 2019 draft. Um, Mie Oni from Yale mm-hmm. uh, was getting playoff minutes for the Jazz, and he was the 58th pick overall. Like there you go. years ago. I don't know. It's just like Kyle Guy is getting minutes. He was 55. Like, I'm just scrolling down this list, and it's like Jalen McDaniels for the Hornets is is getting playing time. Um, Tremont Waters is lighting it up in the G League. He's gonna get mm-hmm. um he'll end up playing eventually. Terrence Mann, playoff minutes for the Clippers, 48th pick. 100%. I don't know. It's it's such a it, it just feels so there's so many good players in the in the NBA, and there's so many good players just out there that if if you can play and you can put up points and you can find your role. I, I'm I think there's gonna be a shot for him. So and I, mean, I think that
1: him being with tech and playing, you know, he didn't play great defense, but he was he wasn't a minus defender, right? Which yeah. was I think was a lot of, was the worry when he came into tech. Um, he showed he but he was able to hold his own and, and contribute in a positive way. I think that also helps because you know he's like again, it's not a guy you're gonna have to take off the floor. Mm-hmm. So, so.
0: trying to look. No, I, I like I, I like Mac McClellan. I don't think he's gonna, I don't think he's gonna get drafted. Right. Um, I wish he was a bit of a better passer. Um,
1: if he was a better passer, I'd, th- I'd be I'd say he's the dark horse to get just straight up drafted. Yeah. Again, he's he's six two, so like he's gonna have to be a point guard. Um, but I think he's gonna have to play with a ball handling too.
0: I I, I love I mean I love the way you described him as I think he's just gonna have to be a uh, microwave. Yeah. Uh, he's really just gonna have to be a straight microwave. Like you don't have to come in. and... And score the ball like Tremont Waters is in the G League and with the Celtics. I mean, I think he was mm. I think he was the MVP of the G League oh, two years ago. I don't remember. He scored a lot. That's all I yep. know. And so um it's there. Um We've seen it done before. And, you know, Carson Edwards is on the Celtics active uh, roster. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of possibilities there for scorers in the league. I mean, Marcus Howard. Marcus Howard is playing his signa- actual minutes for the Nuggets, albeit they're half their guards are hurt on the roster, but hey doesn't, he, Hey, that he sometimes playing, that's a way to get in the league. <laughs> He's playing significant and he is scoring right. for the nuggets right now. So um it's, it's uh there are a lot of avenues to make in the NBA. Uh, you just have to find it. Yep. All right. Um my dark horse pick, um I've covered him for the last two years is Javion Hamlet from North Texas. Um kind of like you this is not a dark horse to get drafted. I don't think he will get drafted. I, I don't think anyone really expects him to get drafted. Um but there are going to be avenues for him to kind of step in and make an impression on somebody whether it's in a camp or in the G League. Um, we did see I I I mean, I don't think a lot of people saw, but Ryan Woolridge from North Texas from a few years ago uh, actually played in the G League for the Thunder and was making plays for them. So, you know, maybe um, the blueprint is there for him. Mm-hmm. However, Javion Hamlet is 23 years old right now. He was a retro senior this past season, so he has to get busy right away. This is no. not something that you can do in three years or two years. This is this is your year, and you have probably two years to make your impression here at that point, then you're gonna be 25. And at that right. point, then you can go play in Europe and make your money. But right. he'll he'll make his money. He's gonna be fine. Uh, but as far as NBA goes, you got like two years and you gotta go. You gotta get going. Um, 6'4, 195, 2020 Conference USA Player of the Year, 2021 Conference USA Tournament MVP, 15.6 points per game, four and a half assists, uh, 38% from three, 88% from the free throw line. Um, just a really in control player that's the way i like to describe him he's just supremely confident and supremely in control of what he does on the court really comfortable out of isolation situations pick and roll situations played against really good competition in his two years um at north texas not i mean in conference where you saw a lot of really good defenses but then even out of conference when they played west virginia um, they played purdue um they played villanova he lit he played really well in all those games and so he's comfortable going against bigger guys comfortable and going against quicker guys um he's a versatile finisher he gets to the free throw line a lot and shoots 88 at the line uh he's a strong defender and he has um a good array of moves once he gets inside the three-point line he's got that floater that he loves going to and um he has two years of basically being the best player in conference usa and you know that's not nothing at this point he's <laughs> an established player that had that really proved himself and i hope that that purdue win maybe got him a few more eyes on him to maybe get him a a, a chance somewhere so um as far as question marks goes um besides the 23 years old uh he does he's not an athletic guy he Mm -hmm. i don't think i've i don't think i've ever seen him dunk which is just a which' just, just, just a an weird interesting thing. yeah tidbit I'm sure I mean obviously I'm sure he can dunk He's six four but right. I'm just trying to remember if I've ever seen him dunk. Um, he's not super athletic he's not super long uh, he needs the one thing I will say 100 percent is he needs to quicken his shot. His shot is low his shot yeah. is it's not hitchy, but it, it just starts starts low enough to where it's
1: below his chin. It always, and, I think of it like a, it's almost like a shot put almost yeah because like, it, it, it's, like, it's like a launch yeah it's really weird like it's it's when he, it's interesting because like his when he gets into the the lane like his you know his floater's fine even like his pull-up is fine but like mm-hmm. yeah his spot-up shot or when he pulls up uh, around the perimeter it's really he catches launched. it
0: he catches it lowers his body which isn't bad because you want to dip in your jump shot but he brings the ball all the way down to his hip right and then brings it up to below his chin and then shoots it and right. so that is the main thing I would say for him. I hope he's been working on that the past three months or whatever, it's two months, mm-hmm. whatever it's been. Because if he can get just get it to where he's catching, dipping, and then going up from here, from right. even like his nose level or chin level, it, uh, it makes a big difference from bringing it from his chest. So if he can just quicken that up a little bit, that'd be huge. Because while we've seen Tyrese Halliburton have success with a weird shot motion, his is he can shoot up from a lot deeper right. than um, – than and he's already started to quicken his shot up a little bit. Like I remember seeing him in college and then seeing him in the pros. Um, he can catch and shoot now a little a little more quicker. And just a half second is a huge difference in the NBA when you get those type of athletes coming at you. Um, as far as, you know, hopeful situations, um, you hope, I think the main thing for him is just going to be coming in and just being a solid player and playing defense. I think defensively is where he's going to have to really just make his make his money and not get and just be a smart player because Mm -hmm. that's that's his whole thing is all in college yes he was the best offensive player um on his team for the two years that he was there and he was a really good passer but i think it's just going to be defense and um defense and being just a a player with like a four to one assist to turnover ratio <laughs> like never turns God. the ball over um, right that
1: was that was the thing i was gonna say was i'm glad you mentioned like kind of how in control he is because what the one thing i noticed about on hamley and i obviously didn't seem as much as you but the one thing i always noticed was how easily he commands pick and roll mm-hmm like he is very and it's not even like driving kick but just like how he can get a defender to hug on his hip, how he can work a ball back outside, how he can re-screen or reuse the reuse the screen a little bit, uh, go to the other side of the screen, you know, like he's really efficient and calm in how he operates the pick and roll and I think that's translatable anywhere. Like even if even if he never fixes that jump shot, there's some team out there that's going to be intrigued to be like Let's get him in the G League to see what he does with, you yeah. know, to work on this a little bit more. But they're gonna see how in control he is. And like you said, how he doesn't turn the ball over. And you know, jump shot, you know, jump shots sometimes never get fixed. But when you look at the array of everything that a player needs, like I'm willing to say that jump shot when it comes to like NBA development is one of the easier thing, easier things For to sure. develop over time. For sure. Yeah. Um and other things like you know your composure and the paint your ability to to get your shot off those things are a lot harder to to work on so um yeah the his pick and roll uh kind of facilitation has always been something that's always stood out to me too
0: yeah um i'm trying to look for like player type comparisons I'm
1: yeah that's a through, tough one i'm just going that's through old
0: drafts one. here i'm just scrolling through all the old drafts and yeah um, just trying to see if like like anybody a, we're going to find someone. We're going to find someone. To go <laughs> we're going to gonna find
1: one player to compare to. The <laughs> You're going to find one.
0: <laughs> um, but no, it's, it's, I, I do think that he, he's, like I said, he's going to, he's going to have a shot. It's going to be real quick. He's got to make it. He's got to make the most of it because at 23 years old, he's got to be um, impressive and very quickly. Um, you know, I can't waste time with that. Right. Man, hold on. We're scrolling. Maybe like <laughs> a Tyus Jones.
1: Uh,
0: uh, 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 All right, hold on. I'm trying to, Jones is probably a better shooter. I'd say yeah, Jones is a better J- shooter. Yeah, Jones without... And the thing is, I'm hoping, even if... if Let's say the shot stays the same. I'm hoping yeah. if he gets an open three, he's shooting 40% on it. Because
1: Right, I, right. I, yeah, if it's open, yeah, can,
0: yeah. Yeah. Um, But uh, yeah, other than that, like off the dribble threes type stuff, like, yeah, he can... Hit them, but it's not. The, it's not. Yeah, yeah it's not going to be all around part of his game. Okay, this is the last draft class I'm going to look at. <laughs>
1: uh, oh, Raul Neto. No, still...
0: Raul Neto.
1: He <laughs> just he just threw out a name. First guard I saw is
0: going <laughs> Raul Neto. Uh one more. Damn, they didn't take any point guards this draft. Marcus didn't mm. <laughs> Nope you know he's the first JV on Hamlet. That's what, there you Hamlet if say, he listens to this that's what he's going to tell me he, he, no he's just if, if JV on listens to this which he's not but if he did he would just subtweet me and be like I'm going to be the first JV on Hamlet that's what oh he there say. you go so there you go um, but yeah no that's it we've, we've dragged this podcast out long enough with, with the players but we hope you enjoyed it um, if you did enjoy it leave us a five star rating review on Apple uh, you, you can find us on where can they find us
1: Oh yeah, find us on Spotify and Apple. Uh, we're trying. I'll see what other avenues are out there. I got to look into other Spotify and Apple stuff
0: right now. Yeah, and Apple I'm doing
1: football little magazine little. stuff right now, so I'm I'm a little sidetracked. Yeah, yeah. But, He's a he's a
0: little, he's a little yeah. busy. He's a little busy. Yeah.
1: Um, we decided with the play NBA playoffs going on, WNBA season starting. We will get you guys this going before the uh for the lottery, which is the end of June, I think. I yeah, think? sounds right. Okay. Sounds right. Sounds right. Hey, look, um, this this is the first year in a while where, as a Suns fan, I have not had to pay attention to oh, the lottery, So I, I'm very excited as, um, as a Spurs to not fan, know the is, date of the
0: draft lottery. As a Spurs fan, we are in it for the second year in a row, for the first <laughs> time in the franchise history. So we are got to – June 22nd. There we go. All right, there you go. I'll, I'll mark that on my calendar. Boom. Oh. But – yeah, let us know what you think of, of these players, or what you think they'll get drafted, all that good stuff. Uh, check out the site, texasbasketball.com. And whenever that magazine comes out for the football magazine, be sure to pick that up. Um, for Ish, I'm Matthew Bruni. We'll talk to you all later.